Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is practice day at the 2023 Australian Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. And on today's episode, Melbourne lives up to its reputation for having four seasons in one day, with a sunny first practice session giving way to a wet and cold and unrepresentative second hour on track. But it gave the FIA some time to confirm some rule tweaks following the controversial ending to the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix in the stewards' room, plus some potential changes to the weekend format in the coming months. And Daniel Ricciardo continues to be the most popular driver in the paddock despite him not racing this weekend. And now he's given some big hints about his future in the sport. For all that and more, let's get the latest from your Australian Grand Prix hosts. It's over to Luke Smith. Hello again from Melbourne. My name is Luke Smith, senior Formula One writer for The Athletic, and we wrapped up Friday's running for the Australian Grand Prix on what has been a very drizzly and rather truncated day of practice running. They say that Melbourne can give you four seasons all in one day, and it really has felt like that on Friday. But anyway, here is everything you need to know and all of the big talking points from today at Albert Park. Opening practice on Friday afternoon proved to be quite eventful as FP1 standards go. Normally it's quite a straightforward session, drivers trying to dial their cars in, but it was actually quite a busy hour of running. There were two red flags, plenty of radio anger, and even a couple of mistakes from the Red Bull drivers, notable given how dominant they've been. Max Verstappen had a big spin at turn four during the session, his car appearing to bottom out over the curb at the exit of the corner, while Sergio Perez also had a bit of an off at one point. The drivers were clearly pushing to the limit around what is now quite a high speed Albert Park, thanks to the four DRS zones and the track modifications that were made for last year's race. But none of it was enough to stop Verstappen from leading the timesheets once again in FP1, beating Lewis Hamilton by four tenths of a second. But the big talking point from that first session was just the level of traffic and how many issues drivers were having. We could hear them regularly complaining over the radio about how they were tripping over other cars on track, getting mixed up about who was pushing, who was not, and all of them were asking for more information from their engineers about where the other cars were and what they should be doing out on track. There were a couple of rather terse moments between the drivers out there complaining about others getting in their way, maybe even saying to their engineers, you need to give me more information. But it turned out the engineers didn't actually know where some of the cars were. This was because the GPS around the track actually failed during FP1, a really, really rare occurrence. And I think it really does show just how much of a reliance there is on this kind of technology in Formula One nowadays. It left all of the teams in the dark when it came to working out where the other cars were on track. And the drivers also struggle with visibility. We know how difficult it is in these tight cockpits. Even though the mirror is a little bit bigger this year, the wheels are just so, so big. So it can be really tricky to actually see who is coming up behind you at quite a pace. 
And the issue with the GPS going down was actually so bad that the session had to be red flagged for 10 minutes on safety grounds. Eventually though, the problem was resolved, whether that was turning it on and off again, pressing control alt delete, or putting another 50p in the meter, whatever they did, it worked, the GPS came back and it allowed the drivers to get back out for a little bit of extra running towards the end of the session. But that was again cut short, five minutes left in FP1, Logan Sargent's car cut out, forcing him to park up at the exit of turn 10. The issue ultimately kept Sargent out of FP2 as well. Williams said it was an electrical problem on Sargent's car and the red flag in FP1 meant it was Verstappen finishing quickest ahead of Hamilton. If FP1's traffic paradise, to borrow a phrase from Yuki Tsunoda, failed to give us a proper look at the competitive order due to the sketchiness of the session, FP2 was, honestly, little better. Heading into Albert Park this morning, I took a bit of a detour, went down to St Kilda Beach, uh, soaked up a few sun rays, had a nice little walk, got a nice little coffee, and I was really enjoying the sunshine, even thinking, God, it's a little bit too hot today. But as the day wore on, the clouds grew, the wind picked up, and the rain finally arrived in FP2. The majority of the session took place in damp conditions, but not before some of them managed to get in some fast laps on the soft tyres in the early part of the session. And it was Fernando Alonso, the name we've been talking about so much this year, who managed to squeeze in the quickest effort of all on the soft compound tyre and give himself top spot for the session. If you remember what I was saying yesterday about his push for win 33, the coincidences he was talking about, then surely this is another encouraging sign that Aston Martin is definitely a quick car around Albert Park. Alonso ended the day four tenths of a second clear of Ferrari, Charles Leclerc. He had a really, really good second session for Ferrari, meaning there was no room in the top two positions for Red Bull, which is a first in 2023. Both Perez and Verstappen did struggle with traffic during the session, meaning they couldn't really challenge Alonso's time. Verstappen also had a bit of an off at turn one, running over the grass at one point, and reported that his rear tyres were feeling very sensitive in the cool conditions. A lot of the teams did opt to do a little bit of running when the rain came, going out on the intermediate tyres. It helps them build up a little bit more data about that compound, about how the car performs in wet conditions. But the forecast for the rest of the Australian Grand Prix weekend does look clear. So hopefully sunny skies and no more wet running. Friday in Melbourne also brought some news from the FIA as it clarified the rules surrounding penalties being served at pit stops. Now this came in the wake of the confusion we saw in Jeddah when Fernando Alonso's third place finish was given to him, taken away and then given back to him again. Real, real confusion, took so long to find out what the actual race result was and it meant the FIA did recognise it had to do something. As you'll remember, Alonso got given that penalty after it was deemed he hadn't served his in-race penalty correctly because the Aston Martin mechanics touched his car with the rear jack during the five second window when he was meant to be completely stationary and serving his penalty. Now, the confusion centered around what could be defined as working on the car. Aston Martin was deemed not to have completed the penalty correctly because of how the rear jack was touching the car, but the team successfully argued that it was an agreed fact between the teams that they could do this at pit stops and that wouldn't be deemed as actually doing any work on the car. The FIA said that it would look at the issue. It came up in the Sporting Advisory Committee. That's where you have the main rule makers in F1, the FIA, officials from F1, and all 10 teams to discuss sporting matters and what to do with the rule book. 
In that meeting, it was clarified what they would be doing moving forward by the FIA's new head of single-seaters, Steve Nielsen, and he confirmed to the teams that any contacts with the car would be deemed as working on the car. It's an important clarification, and the sporting directive is in effect from this weekend. But probably the bigger issue for fans was the sheer amount of time it took for the penalty to be overturned. Fernando Alonso did the podium ceremony, picked up the trophy, sprayed the rose water, did all of that shenanigans, only to be then told, nope, you're back in fourth and you've got this penalty, and then get his trophy back a week later when the FIA overturned it. Obviously, when that news came on the small hours of Monday morning in Jeddah, Alonso was already at the airport. He was the first person to tell George Russell that, nope, you've lost third place, I'm back up on the podium. A very, very weird situation. Thankfully, though, the FIA is aware of just how long it took and why that wasn't really up to scratch it was something that came up in that sporting meeting and moving forward the FIA is always looking at constant ways to improve so I think that'll be something they will look at moving forward and finally with the drivers offering little in the way of analysis on their days given the messy sessions we did at least get a chance to chat with some of the team bosses in the FIA press conference Red Bull boss Christian Horner was obviously a natural target for questions during the presser, and he was even asked by the MC of the press conference, Tom Clarkson, about the frosty feeling between Perez and Verstappen after the race in Jeddah, given their fastest lap battle. But Horner downplayed any issues, saying there's no reason why the situation should get difficult between the two drivers in a potential title fight. He said they knew the rules of engagement and the importance of putting the team first. Interestingly though, Horner was asked about Perez's comments on Thursday when he said that Red Bull previously hadn't been a two-car team and really only focused on one car, but now it treated both cars equally. Horner said this had never been the case, it always treated both cars the same, dating right the way back to the start of the team in 2005. Horner admitted he hadn't heard those comments from Perez, it was the first time he'd been told about them, so uh, yeah, an interesting look into what's going on at Red Bull there I think and maybe see how that story goes through the season and what potential the Sappen versus Paris title fight could do for the dynamics within the team. One man bringing some good vibes to Red Bull right now though is Daniel Ricciardo. He's back on site as I mentioned yesterday in Australia this weekend and he's been doing some sim work for the team. He's been working in that reserve role and Horner talked about how Red Bull had actually seen how Ricciardo had changed since leaving at the end of 2018 in his driving style. He said he picked up some new habits in the car, maybe things picked up during his difficult couple of years at McLaren. But Horner said that he thought Ricciardo was about 10 minutes away from being ready to race in F1 if needed. Ricardo also attended today's driver's briefing at the track in Melbourne as well. It's not compulsory, but it's something that they do like to get reserve drivers along to from time to time, just so they're in the loop with what is going on in case they are needed. I had a chat with Daniel on Thursday night and he talks about the potential opportunity of coming back to F1 in 2024, the idea that his heart is telling him it's probably what he'd like to try and do, even if he doesn't know for sure right now. Although his options do seem quite limited if he did want to pursue a proper race seat. Haas was one of the teams that Ricardo was linked to last year, but Gunter Steiner infamously said on Drive to Survive that Ricardo wanted, and I quote, 10 f***ing million to race for the team. And Steiner was asked about the possibility of Ricardo being a free agent today, maybe being interested in joining the grid again, but 
Steiner was quick to downplay the early start silly season. He talked up how well Nico Hülkenberg, Haas's new signing for this year, had started in his life with the team, but he did acknowledge that Ricardo being a free agent would naturally be of interest to all teams exploring their driver options in the future. Looking ahead to the next race in Baku as well, four weeks away, but it'll be F1's first sprint race of the year. Christian Horner said it was ludicrous that we were holding a sprint at such a high-speed street circuit given the risk of damage and the reputation for really general nonsense around Baku, particularly in a cost-cap era. But we could even get a little bit of extra competitive action as early as Baku. We know that F1 has been looking at potential format changes for the race weekends moving forward and that even goes for the sprint weekends. FP2, which takes place after Park Ferme has started that Saturday morning session, has really become a bit redundant. Teams don't get much benefit out of it, the drivers are just circulating around. And there's been an idea for some time that that could maybe be replaced by a separate qualifying session. That would set the grid for the sprint race on Saturday, making the whole Saturday running a standalone thing. It would mean that the sprint race result wouldn't actually impact the starting grid for the Grand Prix, that being defined by qualifying under the traditional format just on a Friday afternoon. It's unclear when these changes could come into force. Obviously Baku is four weeks away, so it'd be quite a tight turnaround to get it done by then, but it is definitely on F1's radar for the future as it considers its options to make the on-track spectacle more exciting for fans right the way through the weekend. That's all for Friday in Melbourne. I'm going to dry off a little bit after a very, very rainy day. Hopefully we'll have sunny skies for the rest of the weekend. I hope everyone out there, if you're at Albert Park, you have an amazing weekend. We love coming to Melbourne, one of the best cities on the F1 calendar. And make sure you join us again tomorrow on Pit Pass F1 for all of the action from qualifying for the Australian Grand Prix. Thanks very much to Luke, your host all weekend in Australia. The good news is for us on the ground that Saturday is said to be mostly dry, but never second guess Melbourne's weather. Make sure you don't miss an update from the Australian Grand Prix this weekend by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And you can visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. And if you want more updates from the paddock throughout the day, you can follow Luke on social media. Check the link in the show description. My name's Michael Laminato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.